You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. It's June 23rd, 1989. And another remarkable event is about to be uncovered by Aria, Rebecca, and Ali, the Retrospectors. So it was on this day that Tim Burton's Batman was released in the United States. Over $750 million worth of merchandise had already been sold on the basis of the trailer alone. So I think it's fair to say it was being released to an enthusiastic anticipatory reception (laughs) which it did indeed then go on to fulfill 10 days later becoming the fastest film ever to earn a hundred million dollars despite being okay you know nothing special not yours (laughs) it is astonishing how much it was being anticipated and i read that people were actually like breaking into bus stations to steal the posters of that now famous logo and people were buying tickets to see other films that they knew had the trailer of the for the new Batman film and then going along to that film and then also selling their tickets to one another to go and see the film that featured the trailer for a profit and what's really crazy is that the whole reason that the trailer had initially been released it was released quite far ahead of the film's actual debut is because there were so many rumors circulating about how badly the production was going how it was supposedly mired in all this difficulty but the screenplay kept changing and no one quite knew what they were doing from day to day. So it has to go down as one of the most powerful trailers in history. When I watched it, I thought, yeah, that's an all right trailer. But at the time, it had an incredible impact on turning the whole story around. Well, I suppose it was an untapped resource, basically nerds. Comic book nerds was an untapped resource yeah. at this point. Like, it seems obvious now that you can make a superhero movie for grown-ups because guess what? That's what all Hollywood films have been for the last 20 years. <laughs> but it wasn't obvious then because this was the first one. And it was by no means yeah. a given that it was going to work. Pre-1989, pre-this film, people were far from convinced there was an appetite for grown-up superhero films. And by people, I suppose I mean executives, and the fans proved them wrong. And apparently the genesis of the film took 10 years. It was, you know, the first adult Batman film was pitched in 1979, and it took another 10 years until 1989 before the film came out. And apparently the the sort of early studio execs were just so wedded to that 1960s Adam West high camp TV show that it was only CBS that was interested in the early version of the screenplay. And even then they wanted to tweak it so that it was Batman in outer space. (laughs) (laughs) Whereas I would have preferred the campy one, frankly. I mean, I don't mind this movie. It's okay. But I hate what it ushered in, which is that every time you make a comic book movie, it has to be a competition to see how dark it can be. It's like... Ah, yes, there are some grown-up themes in these stories, but they were kids' comic books to begin with. Do we have to be so serious all the time? Like, I guess I, I have Lego Batman these days if I, if I really want that. But, you know, there was a time when Ivan Reitman was attached as director and he wanted Bill Murray for Batman and Eddie Murphy for Robin. I mean, I'd much rather watch that. <laughs> that would have been cool. I also heard they had either David Bowie 
or Robin Williams as the Joker. <laughs> so, I mean, both of those would have been pretty cool. It's interesting that you say, Arian, that the film was initially pitched in 1979 because the year before you had Superman, which was the first big budget blockbuster comic book movie. Not at all campy and silly. No, of course not. I mean, it's yeah. weird how you think, oh, it was a f- people say it was the first grown up superhero film. But when you look at it, it does seem quite campy and silly to us. But, you know, compared to what had gone before, it obviously mm. seemed quite mature. And the crazy thing was that was nominated for so many awards and won three Oscars. They were all technical ones. It was, I think, sound, score, editing. And Christopher Reeve won a Best Newcomer BAFTA. And even now, like, it's hard to imagine now that, you know, you've got films like Black Panther and stuff that have got that kind of attention again. But it is, it is quite astonishing to think of a superhero film sweeping the Oscars like that. Well, I wonder if that was what ultimately convinced Jack Nicholson to get on board because he was the star here, right? I mean, Michael Keaton had done Beetlejuice and he was a famous kind of comic actor. But to give this film the heft that it needed, they needed Jack Nicholson to be cast as the Joker. And I know that he insisted on having chair options in the profits and in the associated merchandise, which, according to some reports, including his own official biographer, might have netted him up to $90 million, which was... Savvy, on his behalf, he (laughs) cut his fee apparently in half to negotiate that. But also I think he kind of deserved the money because he is an Oscar-winning actor of some serious repute and his name on the poster, top billing... He insisted on top billing too, but rightly, I think, this is a film as much about the Joker as it is about Batman, isn't it? It sort of makes you think, oh, okay, I'll go with this. Yeah, but I mean, having seen all of the Batmans that have come since, I really do think that Michael Keaton was a pretty inspired casting as Batman. Hugely controversial at the time. Hugely controversial afterward. Because he's a weirdo, and and Bruce Wayne (laughs) has to be a weirdo. Like, who responds to the death of their parents by going, well, I'm going to, you know, dress up as a bat and terrorise all criminal kind, you know? It's just a (laughs) weird-ass person's impulse. And I thought that Michael Keaton and really got that sort of peculiarity quite well across the two Tim Burton yes. films, you know. But you know who didn't think that, Arian, was the 50,000 people <laughs> who wrote protest letters over his casting. The concerns seemed to be split between his comedic background, because he and Tim Burton had just come off of Beetlejuice, and his unimposing physique, which is fair enough, I think. But Michael Keaton did come up with the Batman voice. Apparently, he is a real stickler for detail, mm. and he was upset that he, he kind of thought anybody would be able to guess that Batman was Bruce Wayne, so he needed to do an extra thing to differentiate them. <laughs> I mean, this is my main objection to Michael Keaton's casting, is yes, anyone can guess that it's him because of those lips. He has, like, the most <laughs> recognisable lips in Hollywood. The lips are a weird shape. Like, and all you see in the mask is the lips. You'd be like, oh, Bruce Wayne and Batman both have the lips of Michael Keaton. That's how you describe him if you were describing him to the Gotham Globe. It is funny, though, how much they attempted to cover up his lack of Batman-esque physique with the rest of his costume that was so sort of buffed to to the extreme of buffness that he couldn't actually move his head side to side. You know, so he had, he had that very weird way of moving that apparently he wanted for people to believe was more than just affectation. Like that was the way he wanted the Batman character to be. But I'm sure that he was just sort of jammed into this costume that barely fit. And he was like, oh God, what am I going to do? It's, <laughs> I can barely move. Also, however buff he is, and this is the thing about Batman, he's not like Spider-Man who's got special skills. He is just a bloke in a suit, which actually they don't really address in this film and it's frustrating. You know, that, that it's not entirely clear why the baddies don't just shoot him all the time. <laughs> There's one scene where they shoot him, but I mean, if you shot him in the face, you would kill him. Or how he can sort of disappear from a height. Like that's kind of glossed over. It's like, oh, because he's got wings because he's like a bat. Yeah, but it's costume wings. You'd die. You'd definitely die. <laughs> Did you know as well Nike designed the bat boots? 
No. <laughs> That's amazing. I think what happened is Warner had a pre-existing tie-up deal with Nike, and then Tim Burton was like, you can't put Batman in Nike trainers. That's ridiculous. You're ruining my 1940s aesthetic. Although he was quite prepared to ruin his 1940s aesthetic with a Batmobile that was clearly from the 1980s and dictaphones that were obviously from the 1970s. But anyway, so what they did is they just designed the boot and it's hardly on screen. But if you look carefully, there's like an air pocket in it in the style of a 1989 trainer. <laughs> that was probably the only part of the costume that Michael Keaton could actually move around in. <laughs> just going back a step, it's interesting also to consider that business of the fact that the screen was being rewritten as they went and usually that is a sign that your movie is going to tank see our previous episode about the super mario brothers movie which was <laughs> yeah, inspired exactly. by this one We're exactly yes. right and yeah and and you could you could easily have imagined that things were going to go wrong apparently in the script when they started shooting the joker wasn't intended to be the person who had killed batman's parents which was obviously pretty controversial with uh, fans of the comic book and also the climactic scene where they climb up at the end of the the film to into this Careful, tower don't ruin the end <laughs> okay well there's a scene involving a tower and apparently that was inspired by the fact that Jack Nicholson went to see a production of The Phantom of the Opera while he was in London because it was filmed in the UK. And he was like, oh, yeah, that's really cool. Let's let's do that. And that somehow, via his impact, which was still presumably absolutely enormous over the entire production, mm. that then got written into the film as the, the big finale. Don't you think there's something really glorious about a time when nobody cared about what this massive community of nerds thought? Like, you know, they could <laughs> oh just say, God. you know what? Maybe he killed Batman's parents. Yeah. Yeah. Goes, yeah, why not? That'll be fine. Yeah. You mentioned it being filmed in the UK. Wayne Manor is actually a composite of the exterior of Nebworth House in Stevenage and Hatfield House in Hatfield, both of which are my kind of local National Trust type properties. And the only places, basically, I've been able to go with my family during lockdown. So it was really weird for me watching it recently. I was just like... <laughs> Oh yeah, Bruce Wayne's porch. That's where we had that Cornetto. <laughs> Tomorrow. They also ate a lot of rye bread. If you've got any rye in your cupboards, just be very careful. <laughs> Love the show? Follow the show wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the ACAST Creator Network. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 